Well, good morning, each and every one of you, wherever you might be today. Whether it's wet and windy or the sun is shining, we know that God is going to bless us abundantly as we come to his word. I want to give thanks uh, as we start this morning for Marion, for her story about the ten lepers. It fits in very neatly with what we're looking at. And uh, for Ian and Sue, for the times of prayer, for the music team, and for the techies up in the uh, balcony there, uh, putting it all together. As you'll know, we're into this uh, series in Philippians 4. And this morning, we're looking at cultivate gratitude. You might have guessed that. Charles Dickens once said, Reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has plenty, not on your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. Now here's your chance to multitask. Uh, During the time that I'm speaking, why not write down on the paper that Ian suggested you get hold of uh, as many blessings from the Lord that you can recall. Let your mind consider past months and years, and maybe recent days, reflecting upon the Lord's goodness and grace towards you. See how you can express gratitude to him for all that he has done. The late President John F. Kennedy gave us this challenging phrase. As we express our gratitude... We must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter the words, but to live by them. Now, since early September, we've been looking at these few verses in Philippians chapter 4, and our series in this passage goes on until the end of this month, the end of November. So let's just look at that passage once again. Verse 4 of Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Things. Now we've looked at that passage several times and God will bless us as we consider the implications of the word of God again this morning. You say, well, it seems a, a, a long stint to be in Philippians chapter 4, just those few verses. Let me just uh, bring to your minds uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, some Older folks might be familiar with that name. When he was minister at Westminster Chapel in London, he once ran a Bible teaching series 
on Paul's letter to the Romans. And if you're familiar with that New Testament book, you'll know that it has 16 chapters. Now that series lasted for 14 years. So we're nowhere near that with our series. But there is plenty to get our teeth into in the passage that's before us. And today we're considering verse 6. And in particular, the subject of gratitude. There were two friends talking about life in general. And one said to the other, you seem particularly down in the dumps today. What is the problem? The other replied, three weeks ago, a good friend died and left me 20,000 pounds. And then two weeks ago, a distant relative died and left me 40,000 pounds. And then one week ago, an old aunt died and she left me 100,000 pounds. So, said the other, why are you so miserable? Well, came the reply, this week there's been nothing. Ian often challenges us with the question, how are you doing? We might well repeat that question this morning as we consider how grateful we are. If we had a, a gratitude meter with a scale of 1 to 10, where would we find ourselves? Are we cultivating gratitude as a deliberate part of our spiritual growth? Do people know we are different because we have a grateful spirit within us? On the other hand, do we just consider we're doing okay and therefore do not really need to address the subject? Let's remind ourselves verse 6 of our passage encourages us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If we are to consider cultivating gratitude this morning, then the word thanksgiving must be pivotal in our study. Being members of the human race, we are at perfect liberty to trace back in history as far as we can go. Currently, if we're honest, we tend not to be thankful people. Perhaps as Christians, we try that a little bit harder, but we often fall below the mark when it comes to being thankful. Indeed, if we were to join in with a group of like-minded people for prayer, and at the beginning of that prayer time, it was emphasized that we have specifically come together to give thanks to God, to express in prayer our gratitude for his mercy, our gratitude for his love, 
for his provision on a daily basis for our salvation through the sacrifice of his son at Calvary. It will not be long before someone starts petitioning God for some need. Now that need may be very real and legitimate. The Lord expects us to bring these things to him in prayer. However, we generally find the thanksgiving element of prayer somewhat challenging. Let's go back in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And we know that when God created this earth and saw all that he made, it was good. No, no it wasn't. It was, as Genesis tells us in verse 31 of chapter 1, it was very good. And in chapter 2, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and then planted a garden towards the east in Eden and there he placed the man he had formed. Just remember what Adam had from the Lord. A beautiful garden growing before his very eyes that contained every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then God commanded Adam that he could eat of all of them with just that one exception. They must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then to really ensure that Adam had all that he needed, God gave him his wife Eve. Just imagine it. They had the magnificence of creation. Pure enjoyment of their surroundings. I don't know if you watch uh, Spring Watch and Autumn Watch, but there's been some magnificent scenes on the Autumn Watch program out in the countryside looking at autumn. Just magnificent scenes of animals and trees and plants. They not only had all of this, they had each other and God's presence with them. Everything on their wish list, that's if they had one. However, they were not grateful. Thanksgiving seemed not to pass their lips. And with them both falling into sin, they demonstrated a more, more, more attitude. A little while later, Cain did no better, murdering his brother and demonstrating total ingratitude in the bargain. We move through the Old Testament, and there's plenty that we could look at, but we don't have the time. But we well know the traumas of the children of Israel, captives in Egypt, treated so cruelly. Years and years of suffering of slaves, and then Moses, through God's hand upon him, rescues them. They experience repeatedly the Lord's good hand upon their journeys. As he parts the waters, as he feeds them in the wilderness, as he makes sure their sandals don't wear out, and he looks after them 24-7. 
Are they thankful? No. Can we find any measure of gratitude in their conversations? Not at all. They moan, they groan, even wish they were back in Egypt where they could sit by the pots of meat and eat bread to the full. They preferred to go back to slavery rather than trust God, take him at his word and acknowledge his goodness to them. Billy Graham uh, made many comments in his time, but here's one about gratitude. He said, grumbling and gratitude are for the child of God in conflict. Be grateful and you won't grumble. Grumble and you won't be grateful. And we can no doubt think of many instances in Scripture where the sin of ingratitude is evident. I was pleased that Marion read to the children the story of the account recorded in Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. It reads like this, and you'll know what I'm going to now. And it came to pass, uh, it came about while he, Jesus, was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And it came about as they were going that they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, we're not ten cleansed. The nine, where are they? Was no one found who turned back to give God the glory except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Linda and I have had the privilege when visiting Mesquine Hospital up in the far north of Cameroon, uh, to travel out a couple of kilometres to a village called Gogoria. This village was especially for those suffering from leprosy. And we witnessed the horror of this disease with the inhabitants living in abject poverty, with fingers or toes missing, and their features somewhat distorted. And despite their obvious high amount of suffering, these folks were grateful for the help the hospital staff gave them to alleviate their pain. Can you imagine those ten men in Luke's account, outcasts from society, with a disease that in those days was a death sentence, and Jesus meets them and heals them. Only one came back with such gratitude that he fell on his face before the Lord with a truly thankful, grateful heart. Pain and gradual destruction of their lives had meant that these ten men were in an awful position. The law demanded their separation. 
No family life, no social life. No hope for tomorrow. The religious folks of their day would not come near them. No fellowship. No sharing of friendship. And when Jesus arrived, they stood afar from him. Hear their cries. Ten men in unison pleading for mercy as they recognized Jesus. United voices all making the same request. And we can learn from that awful position that these men were in. And just for a moment, uh, reflect back on your life and ask yourself this question When did I seek God's mercy? We all stand before a holy, righteous God who gives us the opportunity to cry out and to seek his forgiveness, to experience his healing touch upon our lives and his remedy for the sin that drags us down. If we have not experienced his loving forgiveness, then we stand like those lepers far away from the Savior and we need to cry out to him. Our friends cannot do this for us. Our background has no bearing on the matter. Our church attendance when we can. The reading of our Bibles will not provide a solution, although they may help. We too need to cry to him for mercy. Not only were these men in an awful position, they were also in an approachable position. The law had shut them out. They were shut off from everything and shut off from their Father God, they were dead men walking. Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us that at some point we too were dead in our trespasses and sins. We could not walk into God's holy presence. There was a separation, a great separation between him and us. However, the text in Ephesians goes on to give us this wonderful assurance. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus crosses the road. And these ten men found the answer to their cries. They found his love, his mercy, his healing touch, his love poured out into their lives. They had all cried out. And they all received the answer to their prayers. However, we know from the story in Scripture, Luke tells us that there was a distinct lack of gratitude with nine of them. Once again, as you reflect upon your own life, has there been that moment when you made it possible for Jesus to cross the road and come near to you? Or have you kept him at a distance? 
maybe for a variety of reasons. Have you opened your heart and cried to him for his forgiveness and his mercy? Not only do we see a demonstration of ingratitude in the encounter Jesus had with the ten lepers, but also as we approach his betrayal, his trial, and his crucifixion, we find men at their worst. He had lived amongst them. He had talked with them, fed thousands of them, healed many of cruel diseases that blighted their lives and proclaimed the message from his Father that he was the light of the world, the door into heaven, and the solution to their spiritual needs. Pilate asked the crowds, then what shall I do with him whom you call the King of the Jews? Their unanimous reply, crucify him. The ingratitude of the multitude at its worst. Billy Graham again. And it's very apt, this comment that he made for the times that we're living in. And here's what he said. Even when life may be difficult... We should thank God for all he does for us, which we do not deserve. There's a wonderful scene in 2 Chronicles and chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. You'll perhaps know the story. And it breaks in like this. In unison, when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord. And when they had lifted up their voice, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, saying, He indeed is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting, then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. What a scene that was. Solomon starts the work of building the temple in chapter 3 of 2 Chronicles, and the scripture gives a vivid description of its size, the materials that they were using, its construction, and the ornate decorations. He describes all of the furnishings that were there to help them to worship. And in chapter 5, he starts with what we would call a call to worship. All of the elders of Israel were there with the heads of the tribes and the priests and the Levites. Uh, And we can only imagine that scene and the cacophony of sound as they worshipped and gave thanks to the living God, the God of Israel. Sadly, for the moment, uh, we know we're not able to worship in this building altogether. However, when we are able to be back with each other, would it not be just amazing if CBC were filled with a cloud as we worship the Lord with thankful, grateful hearts? 
Imagine Ian and the music group up here not being able to see the congregation because the glory of the Lord filled this place. Remember verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Apostle Paul wants to encourage us, his readers, to have an instinctive response when anxiety comes knocking at our door. And, and sure it does. He suggests that we turn to prayer. Some years ago, when Linda and I lived uh, around the Aylesbury area, uh, we listened to a well-known Scottish preacher as he expounded the Word of God. He said at the beginning these words, and I've never forgotten them. You can read the Bible. You can read the Bible carefully. But today, we're going to read the Bible more carefully. If you've got your Bibles open at the passage we're considering today in Philippians 4, look at that word, everything. Why, why does Paul use that word? Why is it so important here? I believe he wants us to understand that as believers in the living God, we should be anxious for nothing but praying in every circumstance of life. Prayer should be like the breath on our lips, moment by moment, not just when we're in a, a tight spot or when there is some panic around the corner. In addition, you will have noticed there are two words that follow, namely prayer and supplication. Prayer brings us into conversation with God. We talk to Him. We commune with Him. But supplication takes us, takes us a step deeper in our relationship with Him. It's when we need to be more specific. When we bring our needs, our requests to Him. However, as Paul goes on, it, it does not end there. Paul encourages us to be grateful people. In other words, as we endeavor to rise above our anxious moments, as we pray and make requests to the Lord, we need to do it all with an attitude of being thankful. John Piper comments, Gratitude is a virtue most worthy of our cultivation. Indeed, in all the Christian life, gratitude is to be planted, watered, dressed, and harvested. Gratitude gets at the very essence of what it means to be created, finite, fallen, redeemed, and sustained by the grace of God, and sustained by the God of all grace. Max Licardo says in his book, Anxious for Nothing, these amazing words, gratitude is a mindful awareness of the benefits of life. It is the greatest of virtues. 
Studies have linked the emotion with a variety of positive effects. Grateful people tend to be more empathetic and forgiving of others. People who keep a gratitude journal are more likely to have a positive outlook on life. Grateful individuals demonstrate less envy, materialism, and self-centeredness. Gratitude improves self-esteem and enhances relationships, quality of sleep, and longevity. If it came in pill form, gratitude would be deemed the miracle cure. It's no wonder then that God's anxiety therapy includes a large, delightful dollop of gratitude. We have some remarkable opportunities over this period of uncertainty with COVID-19 still ravaging the world and being top of the headlines in our news broadcasts. Being a people that are cultivating gratitude will give us a head start, make us stand out against the crowd. Be anxious for nothing. Everything in our lives marked by prayer and supplication with a thankful, grateful heart. Moreover, the result, if we take this on board, verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.